listeners, and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. In today's pod, we return our attention to Europe's guarantees of origin and PPA markets. They are, in many ways, intrinsically linked. The prices of guarantees of origin are now high enough to be an important part of an investment decision for new renewables facilities, as well as for PPA deals, and are also an important little earner for green generators. What is the outlook for PPAs in Europe for the coming year, given some of the problems in the wind sector and some degree of regulatory uncertainty? Helping me, Richard Sverson, to talk about the main issues in these growing markets is Bruno Brunetti of S&P Global. A warm welcome to you, Bruno. Thank you so much, Richard. Um, Let's start off by talking about guarantees of origin or or geos. Um, Now, prices have been on quite a roller coaster ride, I think it would be fair to say, over the past sort of 12 to 18 months. Um, where are they trading now and, and what can we expect over the next six months, maybe even beyond to 2024, 2025? So right now, end of October, we are around the four euros per megawatt hour. And so this price level is mirroring somewhat a market that is largely rebalanced, right? We have seen supply finally recovering in particular because of uh, normalizing hydro conditions. And at the same time, the demand, in particular from corporates, uh, has been uh, somewhat weaker than expectations. On hydro in particular, we have seen uh, that the numbers are looking better. And uh, at the end of July, the growth was fairly small, but we expect for the year overall uh, a growth of 15% in terms of uh, hydro issuance. Um, so we are putting in a recent report that we showed um, a, a, a growth of 55 terawatt hours for uh, um, hydro issuance for 2023, which will bring total issuance at about 434 terawatt hours. At the same time, the cancellation trends have been generally weaker than we expected. We have seen, based on current data, um, we have seen only 1% growth so far this year versus 10% growth last year. So the short-term trends and drivers are not that positive after all for prices. We have seen economic activity slowing, power demand also weak overall. So I think in the near term, we can still see some market sentiment undermined by these uh, um, like fairly weak fundamental drivers. But medium term, so moving towards 2025 in particular, mm-hmm. I, I think the six euros kind of uh, mark is a, a fair valuation for uh, geos. Mm-hmm. And because there are still some bullish factors that are driving demand in particular. So it's a demand picture to make us believe that the six euros price is, uh, is fair. And in, part- in particular, the commitments around uh, the EU corporate sustainability directive that are kicking in, and also the updated technical criteria for the IRI 100, mm-hmm. they're creating a, a more structural support for geo demand. So Bruno, tell me about some of those points you mentioned here, the, the technical criteria in the RE100, what, what does that mean? And also the Corporate Social Responsibility Directive. Talk us through those, what's happening there and how can they um, drive the geo price? So from the standpoint of the uh, RE100 updated technical criteria, we, we will see a shift from uh, geos that are issued from plans, by plans, older than 15 years, to geos that are issued by plants that were commissioned 
in, a, in, a, um, in, in recent years. So the shift of demand from uh, that hydro to wind and so newer wind and solar plants that will create extra demand in particular for those certificates. And then the EU Corporate Sustainability Directive, what it does is effectively is enlarging the reporting mandates to a much larger number of companies. And the focus of the directive is in particular around uh, promoting market-based instruments to show the commitment to renewable energy. So effectively, there is an increased push to purchase certificates and PPAs as well. And so that will create extra demand for geos. Absolutely. So, and the IE100 is, for those listeners who aren't aware of, that's basically the set of criteria for corporate purchases of renewable energies. And so this will drive demand from that sector, something that's been maybe a bit slower than expected, but you think this will speed things up a bit from the corporate sector? Well, because the technical criteria kicks in in 2024, and also when it comes to the Corporate Sustainability Directive, the reporting is organized in phases, so the, the phases will uh, come in the, in the upcoming years. Uh, and so will lead to this extra um, demand for uh, market instruments. Mm-hmm. And so even though, you know, to summarize what you said there, Bruno, you, you, we may slip back down in the short term down to maybe three euros. In the longer term or medium term, at least, the outlook is, is, is far more bullish as more demand comes on or as more, you know, demand starts to pick up rather. We've had this year a cup, or one shock in particular to the geo market, and that was the, the export ban from Icelandic geos. Now, I know there was a, a decision due in October, that, and that's now expected uh, in early November. W- what are your views around this and, and around the issues of double counting? Is this a, a big problem in the guarantees of origin market? It's a good question. Um, I mean, it does come down to corporate sustainability and to corporate commitments. Remember, we are in, the, in a voluntary market here. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to ethical responsibility of the corporates. And again, the, um, I would say the policy direction with the Corporate Sustainability Directive and also the work that the EU is doing with the uh, green claims, there is a push for, for reporting of the advancements in terms of uh, um, corporate decarbonization, which is more, um, uh, not only more granular, but there is more integrity. There's a push toward more integrity. So the policy framework is, has been already moving that direction towards more granularity and more integrity. And so it, now it's up to the corporates to execute in that general direction and uh, yeah, make sure that they comply with this broader policy framework. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I think it comes down to the responsibility of the corporates. And so I think, so the market I see in a, in a positive way because that will support the demand for the, these instruments. And they can expect more scrutiny potentially as well. It doesn't really have a regulator as such, does it, the geo market or the Association of Issuing Bodies, the AOB, does act in a, in a way as, as a regulator. But would. again, the overall policy framework and policy direction is toward more granularity in the report and higher integrity. Mm-hmm. So that will mean, again, more purchases of geos mm-hmm. in view of uh, showing those commitments. And absolutely, I think that's been a then a, a call that I've heard very much is or an urging of of an increase 
in the integrity of the market that the integrity has to be boosted and when it when it comes to this double counting or double claiming then that that, that really needs to be looked at doesn't it i mean are you can say maybe could emerge from norway or austria could these issues re-emerge as they did with the icelandic case do you think is there a danger that that could crop up um, it's not in our um, kind of horizon in mm. terms of our our uh, modeling work hasn't been done with that expectation and with, with those risks. I mean, again, as I said, the way the policy is moving is more toward uh, making corporates more accountable for the actions mm. that are uh, making. And so, so I think that, that there would be that integrity in the market. Absolutely. Moving forward, if we move on to a little bit of the relationship between GOs and, and PPAs, power purchase agreements, will the GO price become an ever-increasingly important component for power purchase agreements? Yeah, this is a great point. And in fact, the um, again, the policy direction is also like creating even more, establishing even more clearly this link. And in particular, the Red 3 Directive has introduced somewhat this link. So um, that's the renewable energy directive, yeah. the latest version of the renewable energy directive. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and in a way, I mean, PPAs are being signed to some degree also to cover the volatility, the price volatility as a, as a price edge. Mm. So in a way, in the, I mean, in, in the past, the, that volatility was more on the power side, the power price side. But uh, I think uh, off-takers, corporates are realizing that, that vol- there is a volatility, increased volatility also on the, on the geo side. So in a way, the, the PPA will provide this stability in the procurement cost say that rely on buying a certificate uh, in the current year and the following year. But it's also interesting the perspective from the renewable developers because effectively the geo, as you said at the beginning of our conversation, the geo is increasingly seen as an important revenue stream. Mm. And that's particularly the case as we move forward because power prices and in particular the capture prices renewable capture prices will be moving lower. Mm-hmm. And so geos will account for an even more important portion of the revenues, mm-hmm. of the merchant revenues for renewable developers. And so the, the, the case the, the case of the, the geo, again, will be a more important part of the PPA itself. Mm-hmm. And do you think as, you know, as the geo price rises, does that also improve the business case for PPAs? Yeah, absolutely. And again, we, I mean, at the moment, we're looking at a geo price that accounts uh, in the, would say, I would say 5% of the overall um, wholesale revenues. Mm-hmm. But we are thinking that in, in the next few years, uh, that role would become larger. And we're putting that in the, in the 10, 20% order of magnitude. So, for, say for a market like Germany, for instance, the geo would represent about ten to twenty percent of the capture price. Mm. So that becomes really meaningful mm. um, and important to keep in mind as a value uh, as you uh, build a plant and as you sign a PPA. Absolutely. So it becomes very intrinsically linked, as I said in the intro there. But we're recording this in, in London, Bruno, where you're based. And the, the relationship between UK guarantees of origin, uh, is it Rigos, and, and, and the EU guarantees of origin has been a bit fraught. And, and do you think, is there an indication or expectation that the UK will eventually start to import EU geos again at some point? Or has that, has that avenue been firmly shut? No indication so far. Mm. 
um, and it, this has been um, a very uh, yeah very bu- it's been very bullish for uh, the UK regals, mm-hmm. and I mean uh, th- there have been two elements here to keep in mind. I mean one is as you say the phase out of the geo imports, which has been uh, a big a big uh, element of driver of tightening of the regal market. But then at the same time, also, um, this has been year, a year with uh, poor wind generation in the UK. So supply itself, uh, domestic supply, hasn't been very large. Mm-hmm. has been pretty weak, actually. And so um, this has created this, uh, this extremely bullish uh, market environment, which clearly is creating some pressure to make changes. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like anything might change uh, at least before the elections mm. so we may may have to wait until uh, um, the elections um, and I mean I would say perhaps the only thing that we could expect the UK Rigo market will be extremely driven by the domestic demand and supply dynamics mm. and we know that supply though is increasing because more wind is coming to the market so um, so it will depend. The price will essentially depend largely on how much wind there will be there, and to what degree the demand will be growing. Mm. Where's the demand in the UK? I mean, where could it grow? Well, uh, it has been strong in the past few years, mm. uh, but um, um, it, at the moment the market has lost its anchor. So um, yeah, there are questions uh, around how much demand can grow at these levels, at these price levels. Mm. I mean, there's also a big discussion around hourly matching or annual matching, monthly. Uh, what's your view here, Bruno? I mean, is it hourly matching or 24-7 matching? Is that, is that realistic? So there is uh, a push toward um, hourly certificates. And uh, um, the, the, the discussion during the Red Tree Directive uh, and, uh, the, and uh, finally the tax has some kind of high-level indications that there seem to be uh, a move toward this direction. I would say there are some clear uh, kind of, uh, there's a clear push from data-centric industries mm-hmm. uh, like the tech industry, um, also because they're, they have been already quite ambitious in their uh, decarbonization targets. They're already quite advanced in terms of their journey. And so they, they, they might be ready to move in that direction. I would say also the um, clean, en- clean hydrogen industry mm-hmm. would, be, um, a, a, would be an industry that would be interested to, to kind of have a, this additional um, certificate, this additional market instrument. Some concerns have been raised by other um, market participants that I've heard, um, in particular smaller mm-hmm. players. Um, and uh, the concerns are around the fact that, I mean, let's face it, the certificate, the geo certificate is a, a pretty simple way to show a commitment, right? So the howly matching, the introduction of howly certificates might make things complicated, complex for those players where the certificates is still kind of a fairly simple way mm. to make those commitments. And could increase costs as well. For could increase in costs. And also one of the concerns that we heard is around the liquidity 
Um, and yeah, perhaps some some of the concerns are there around uh, the fact that some some of the liquidity constraints could be uh, emerging um, under under this uh, um, with with this the introduction of this new instrument. Because the the aim is really to have these players in the market, not not not, not try and put up barriers for for them to enter the market. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you think hourly matching would would favor plants with with more stable loads such as such as nuclear so um yeah it does help technologies that they have a more stable profile or um that are less like yeah like uh, it, it would help uh, like plants uh, um like like a more sta- with have a more stable profile and uh, we certainly wouldn't help solar that has that very distinct profile where um, generation happens all at the same time, um, so so the, yeah, certain technologies might be benefited from this uh, from this from introduction of this uh, instrument. Mm, absolutely. So I'd like to move on to discuss a few issues around the power purchase agreements as well um, with you, Bruno. I mean, how much capacity could we see signed next year, given this year's record high? A uh, good question. I mean, I don't have a number in mind. It is true that we have seen this year strength in the numbers, but at the same time, also the third quarter numbers were looking a little bit weaker. So there's been a slowing already. Okay. I would say, though, that there are three elements, though, that make me think that we will continue to see growth. And we have seen these elements already emerging this year. Number one, smaller corporates have started to emerge. So smaller deals we are seeing also smaller uh, size deals that show more participation. And we know that the policy direction is toward this, this more uh, um, participation from smaller market participants. Then a second element is the role of the utilities. We have seen utilities coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2022, the utilities were pretty much absent. All the market was corporate. Whereas in 2023, we have started to see utilities coming back and signing um, uh, PPAs. So in that, any markets in particular, Bruno? Or? Well, we have seen, for instance, uh, lately, um, just yeah, just came out. Like for instance, Spain itself, uh, like um, some utilities were seen um, purchasing, uh, like signing PPAs. Mm-hmm. Then the third element is we have seen also some very large deals as well <laughs> from the. From players that we we have we 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 heard that are looking to source electrolyzers for sorry, clean hydrogen production. So these three elements are kind of uh, um, making me think that we will see still strength in the years to come mm-hmm. because they are there to stay. You mentioned Spain. Are there are there any other hotspots in terms of growth? Well, the Nordic market. We have seen, and um, uh, I mean, Germany is an interesting market. Although we are we're hearing um, um, supply uh, uh, availability, PPA availabilities being relatively constrained, and then also other markets uh, in uh, in Eastern Europe, Southeastern Europe, also uh, coming uh, as an interest. Mm. And how? How have sort of, sort of regulatory interventions influenced the, the PPA market? I mean, I mean, in particular, I'm thinking of the power price caps. I mean, the way it looks, they will come to an end next year, maybe April, June, maybe even some countries will extend them even further. What kind of an impact have they had on, on the PPA market and the, you know, in, in getting companies to, to sign these kinds of deals? 
I haven't seen really very strong evidence in terms of uh, of an impact. Um, and but I, I must say at the same time, I haven't been myself focused on those regulatory elements. Although I have to say, um, I've been focused a lot on the pricing side mm -hmm. of the PPAs, and there are some elements there um, that could have created some kind of uh, um, some uh, uh, bearishness in the market. And in particular, it's for solar. Mm -hmm. And we have seen uh, this year uh, the number of negatively priced hours increasing quite substantially, mm -hmm. pretty much across markets. Mm -hmm. And it's not only the negatively priced hours, but also the very low settlements. Mm -hmm. um, so that is creating some concerns around pay as produced solar in particular, mm -hmm. because yeah, it's clear that cannibalization risks are there and it will get only worse. Mm -hmm. So I think that concern around the cannibalization risk is something that it might be um, kind of creating some, but uh, can push some people away from signing, especially the pay as produced mm. uh, contracts, because it's more difficult to price, um, given that you know that your technology, your plant will be producing those hours that mm. are clearly, are, 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 it's clear that they're becoming, that they're, they're kind of going to be priced at very low levels. And I mean, very hard to forecast mm. those hours. Absolutely. I mean, you've seen, you mentioned negative prices. That's been a feature of, of certain markets, in particular in, in the Netherlands, where you've seen a massive rollout of solar, which has resulted in, the, in these kind of negative prices and curtailments as well of solar production, as well as, you know, a, a, a saturation in some markets like Portugal. Is that kind of holding investments back, do you think, Bruno? It's holding some demand back. Mm. And we're hearing demand for PPAs and we're hearing that, um, that in particular, that there is some, um, yeah, the, the, the people are a little bit more careful with solar PPAs, in particular, the pay as produced solar PPAs. And in, in particular, it's around those issues that we, we discuss. I mean, the hourly prices being um, low in certain, in a number, growing number of uh, instances, and also the curtailment risks mm -hmm. that are more pronounced for solar. Um, but we are thinking that, I'm thinking that for wind, people are, I mean, the, the market participants will, will stay more, um, will be more inclined to, to sign. So the demand for those wind PPAs mm -hmm. is there to stay, and I would say even increasing. And we do see that, we do think that the cannibalization risks are much less pronounced for onshore wind mm -hmm. um, than uh, for solar. But I mean, offshore wind is also facing severe issues, isn't it? I mean, you know, you with inflation, rising costs, um, a lack of auctions, etc. I mean, that's that's also um, maybe slowing down demand for such deals. Yeah, offshore deal. Uh, I mean, offshore is also um, an area of uh, concern. But I mean, the, I would say at the moment, the, it's more the building of those plants mm. that has been more of a. Um, yeah, an area of concern. One way of dealing with these problems would be to have a hybrid PPA. So you have solar and wind plus some storage facilities so that you can, you know, store the, the excess power. Is this also something that you see becoming more important, that these kind of agreements will be signed more and more in the coming years? Yeah, and we have already started seeing um, uh, these deals. Um, we have started to see deals uh, solar PV plus storage. 
not many, a couple this year and a few also in the past. And But we have seen a little bit more attention around those hybrid deals, in particular coupling wind and solar and in part, with storage, with or without storage. Mm. And again, there the, the, the idea is to um, commit to a shape, to a certain profile, um, and some, to some degree take away some of those risks around the, 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 the producing certain specific hours. Mm. Um, so, so I do think that the, the, there will be increased demand and the, the market will be shifting more toward hybrid deals. And especially in those countries where you see that kind of saturation of, of solar and, and, and wind. Are there any other hot trends that you see kind of emerging maybe or that if you, have, you can ask you for your crystal ball there, Bruno, in, in, in the coming uh, years? Uh, good question. Uh, already we covered a lot of ground, right? So, yeah, so I think the, the shift that we are seeing is, again, I want to emphasize that wholesale revenues, in particular from the power side, Will, will not be enough to cover all the costs for renewable development. So the shift is toward adding and stacking more revenue streams. Mm -hmm. And so the certificate uh, is an important part, of, of uh, increasingly important part of this exercise of stacking the revenues. And that's quite a flip uh, or quite a turnaround from what, we, what we've seen in the last sort of five to ten years, isn't it? Where, where you know, five, uh, seven, six, seven years ago, the, the, the guarantee of origin price was, you know, uh, peanuts, basically, uh, so five to ten euro cents. So that's quite a change. Yeah. Bruno, thank you very much for being a guest on the Monta Weekly Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and uh, hello to everyone. <laughs>